calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hello, everyone. Welcome to IGN UK Podcast 401. I heard 400 was shit. It was terrible, mate. Although... It, it was terrible for me. What they've heard that we haven't heard is our banging new theme tune. Yeah. Which I'm still... I'm thinking about it now, and I want to leave and just go listen to it. Yeah, so, um, Luce just... Well, I should say, I'm yeah, Daniel Cooper. I'm joined by Joe Scrabbles. Hello. And Lucy O'Brien. Hello. Hello. <gasps> it's good to pop over just for this podcast. I, How yeah, can we afford I mean, that? It was quite it's a sweet ad, re- ad revenue we're yeah, on now. Yeah, that's it. It's I mean, CPV money we got. Yeah, and all that money I get from Microsoft <laughs> for giving Sony games a bad mm-hmm. bad reviews. You know, I just decided to, Based on that to money, use that to fly we're fly, over here. flying you yeah. around the world on that money. Uh-huh, Those brown uh-huh. envelopes behind the back of public toilets. They totally. Really, yeah, <laughs> they really help out. Is that where Gav is? Is he, is he on the podcast? Have yeah. we done yeah. an exchange program? We've He's never coming back. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to be found face down in He's, Sydney Harbour. Gav, a... Gav on the podcast would be something Danger. special. Danger. Yeah. Um, yeah, we should say, so last week was um, Podcast 400, which I, I wasn't at because I had food poisoning <gasps> and I was in a really bad way, but Hung I hoped over. everyone had a nice time. Hungover. Hungover, yeah. I'm just an absolute worm. I can't even have Couldn't it. be asked. No, I, 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 I went home. Oh, so bad. I woke up on Friday morning and I, I woke up at like 5 a.m. with like anxiety and I was like, oh, what's this feeling? Don't know what this is. Why am I nervous? And I re- realized it wasn't nerves. It was actually crippling stomach pains. <laughs> and I, I went to the toilet and basically exploded. Oh, um, no. I'm, <laughs> I'm having a panic attack that results in me <laughs> exploding. Well, they are kind of similar yeah, sensations. Yeah, I was like, I was like, uh, and I just went and I exploded. And I thought, <laughs> um, I'll have a little sleep. I'll set an alarm for two in the afternoon, see how I am. Probably be able to make it. No, I couldn't, I couldn't even move. Was it um, both? No, it was primarily mouth. Right. But it was shit coming out of my mouth. Right. (laughs) That's the worst. It's the worst. Yeah, I'm lucky I didn't get septicemia. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I heard it was a great night. It was fantastic. Yeah, people keep asking me what my three things were going to be. My three things were going to be Jonathan Creek. Yep. um, The particular shot in. So just to fill you in. Yes. We did on our live show a top 10. IGN list of everything. Top seven. Top seven, because like 
IGN's known for doing lists. Yeah. Maybe some lists that don't need to exist. And we did like top everything. So everyone picked three things and then we judged which would go into IGN's de- definitive everything. And it was like stupid stuff like Rick Mail. Rick Mail, VR, dogs, a video of a hawk dropping a snake on a barbecue. <laughs> uh, when Mr. Blobby wasn't allowed to go to America. Yeah. Uh, Overwatch. That was about it, I think. Is that six or seven? Yeah, I'm missing I think one, aren't I? I think... Oh, Cardi did. What was Cardi's roast, one? Di- roast, roast dinners, roast beef, roast dinners. Yeah, uh, mine were going to be. So, first one was Jonathan Creek. Mm-hmm. Did you watch Jonathan Creek? No, but I'm familiar with it. With the oeuvre of Jonathan Creek, yeah, the mop and, top and, and the certain age detective of audience that yeah. watches oh, yeah, Jonathan Creek. Not, not who did it; it's how you done it. Um, the, the second the thing, the thing was um, the one shot in Halloween where he's standing half outside a hedge. Okay. Because I really, to the day, that's the most disturbing thing I've ever seen. And I went through a phase as a kid where I'd half stand outside around corners just for my mum. And then the final thing was Mr. Frosty, which was a plastic toy oh, that yeah. you could basically make your own frozen treats in and I asked for that three years in a row at Christmas and I never got it mm. and I'm still bitter about that so that you could then. actually eat the treats these yeah, yeah like, like you would basically fill up water with like 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 popping and you'd freeze it and you put Mr. Frosty into the freezer and he'd come out and he'd like dispense frozen treats from his chest or you can take his arms off and that, that's like a popsicle. That was My mum was like, it's just going to be sticky and you'll yeah. never, you'll use it once, it'll be sticky. I was like, no, if I have this one thing, it'll make my life complete in ways that you wouldn't understand. That was the age of uh, toys where you made things. Yeah, like creepy, candles. Creepy crawlers ovens. Yeah. Those little, the little cookie ovens with the hot light like, bulb inside. Also, do you ever get those where it's like, I had it, it was like Frankenstein Dracula and the mummy, and it was like a powder mix, and you put it into like a squidgy mould, oh, yeah. and then you peel it off, and then you would paint it. <laughs> yeah. But... I would get really impatient and take the mould off before it was set and I'd just like touch it and it would just crumble. And in many ways, that's like every relationship I've ever had. <laughs> With a monster. With a monster. It's also like those tiny little sponges, like those sponge dinosaurs. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, they yeah. ever time like grow to enormous size. And it... Oh, mate. Kids don't know. They're born these days. Do they, they have bore. triops? I bet they don't have triops what's, nowadays. What's triops? You know those little, they're like prehistoric creatures that you have, like, they're little fish things. Oh, yeah, yeah, and you put, yeah. you just empty, like, a sachet of like their eggs into the water. sea monkeys. All, yeah, they're kind of like sea monkeys, except they grow to, like, bigger sizes. Does it? And my ones, just one of them ate all the rest, and there was just one big, lonely triops. <laughs> That's invaluable. Which, which is it, like every kids. relationship I've ever had. <laughs> it's one devouring the other. It's just destroyed everyone around <laughs> She's me. She's the winner. <laughs> <laughs> That's my girl. Um, this, yeah, this is what this podcast's about, because we've always said, like, MVC, you've got Nintendo covered, Unlocked has got Xbox covered. This is where we come into our own. Um, 90s toys <laughs> and how they relate to our depression. <laughs> yeah. So um, first thing on the agenda, Lucy, what you're doing here, we've covered that yeah. on Bribe Money. Bribe Money. Um, mm-hmm. First thing is we've finally all seen it. Yes. Um, so we're going to talk about it, I think. Um, I think we've got varying levels of enthusiasm for that movie. But okay. it is, it's been huge success. Enormous. Mm. Like I think you could probably see that coming when the first trailer did more views in 24 hours than the Force Awakens trailer. That's you know that? That's in- that is insane. I mean, I'm just like, regardless of what I thought about the film, which we will get into, but I am just stoked that a horror movie has done so well. Yeah. You know, as 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 a someone who loves horror, uh, I'm really happy to see that movie just steamrolling at the box. Office. And also, like, relatively speaking, big budget horror because mm. horror is this thing where even like from Halloween, which we mentioned already, like. 
doesn't cost traditionally a lot to make, but it's hugely profitable because mm. people just go nuts for a really good horror movie. Whereas this was like 30 million, I think. Okay. But it's going to unlock a bigger budget for the second part, which I think they've talked about it needing a bigger budget. Oh, it definitely they're, needs they're a bigger do, budget. They're going to do the crazy cosmic stuff, which was in the first screenplay draft of this one, like mm. Carrie Fuginaga script. And I think one of the reasons he walked away is they didn't have the budget to do the kind of crazy interdimensional stuff. They not have that turtle that they all talk to the turtle. yeah do you see all the turtle references yeah, in the yeah, movie? yeah i heard so i i don't know anything about the book i've never read it yeah but i heard about that afterwards and all the references to turtles throughout and was like that's weird i know <laughs> what, it is a, a weird cool thing decision. um <laughs> mm. so like should, should, joe what did you think i loved it i really loved it i don't like i say i don't have a huge connection to the original source material i only watched the miniseries two or three months ago when this started picking up. Oh my God, did you steam. think it was quite embarrassing? Oh yeah, absolutely. It's, it's so embarrassing now. So it's, it's weird because the, the sort of practical effects and the scares and stuff are still very good. And yes. Tim Curry's very good. Yes. But everything else is hokey bullshit. Oh, <laughs> isn't it though? It's mad. And the acting is just so... I mean, the oh. adults are bad. Oh my God. The kids are pretty good. Mo- but on the, the most part, yeah. adults are rough. The, um... Mm. Oh, what... Uh, is it Billy, Stuttering Man? Can't Bill, remember. Yeah. Bill. Bill. Um, he is like astonishingly bad. <laughs> but he's like the, the most famous person in it. What's he called? He, he's remember. John Boy from the Waltons, and he's oh, uh, is he? I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, that he's in the Americans like, as well. But I thought basically, this feels like its own thing. It's using the source material to create what is a very zeitgeisty horror film, which is you know, in obviously indebted to Stephen King with the kids kind of growing up together in the midst of mad cosmic bullshit happening like, to them. I think Kids Against Monster is always like a good. winning combo. Just a good, yeah. good structure. And I thought like, I thought the scares were fun and I thought the kids were fun. And But that's kind of, I think we've all separately said this in the office, it's a lot more fun than it is scary. But mm. I'm kind of fine with that. That's what I was in it for. So I yeah, I got a lot out of it. I also thought it's movements and stuff were brilliant like i desperately want a gif of the bit where he's doing a strange dance in a perfectly locked shot yeah his head with, his, with his head not moving and the rest of his body moving around him it's fantastic i really liked his physicality yeah the bit where he un well, um, we have, like, we're getting yeah. into it yeah i think it's been out for a couple of weeks now and i think a lot of people listening to this podcast have let's say uh, do you think not should spoilers? we do a timer thing yeah, Five let's do minutes. This. we do this sometimes because you know what people like with spoilers. We've talked about spoilers ad nauseum on this podcast. Right. Let's have so, what? a five-minute Te- timer. Five-minute timer. And we'll so, just talk about certain things. Right. If you haven't seen it and you actually care about spoilers, skip ahead five minutes starting now. Go. The bit where he unfolds out of the fridge is yeah. really good. No, that bit was brilliant. I really liked when they started playing up his physicality down in the sewers. Um... That was when I sort of felt that the that his Pennywise came into yeah. his I, own. I feel like I could have done. More. I I actually like unlike a lot of like horror movie monsters or um, antagonists. I actually don't. I want more Pennywise. Mm. I want more of him like tormenting them. Yeah. Because like his first is the most dialogue he has is the first scene in the movie, mm-hmm. and then he kind of disappears for quite a long time. Yeah. And I like sort of... Tim Curry's more of a presence, like constantly tormenting in their ear, whispering. That's it. He's a, he's a very vocal. Yeah. I would have liked to have heard more from his 
Pennywise, because there's a great bit where they're in Nabolt Street house mm. and he's about to attack Eddie. And then Richie and Bill are upstairs and they have the three door choices of not scary, scary mm. and very scary. And they go through not scary, see something, and then they realise it's not real. They open it again, there's nothing there. So they kind of puncture the illusion. Mm. And at that moment, he just like stops dead and turns around and leaves Eddie. And when he comes down, he says something like, oh, is it not real enough for you, Billy? It was real enough for Georgie. <laughs> and it's like, I want more of that, him yeah. speaking and like really kind of getting in their heads. It's weird, like, Thinking about it, there aren't many vocal antagonists in horror movies. No. You don't get chatty evil. In well, that way. I mean, no. there is Freddy, who's the most chatty. Yeah, that's true. Like, well, it's like there's actually a good comparison of it, like the kind of vaudevillian villain, where yeah. it's like mm. make it like lo- like Lord of Misrule, and, yeah, yeah. and, and every scare is like a set piece. Like yeah. instead of yeah. just like, oh, well, I'm evil. That's I'm what I think. Do like this bad. was quite, you know, like those Nightmare on Elm Street. It's very it's like set piecey, theatrical. Where you can think of a good idea, and because he can be anything and turn like warp reality, gives you a great jumping off point for just a sequence. Well, yeah. while we're in spoiler zone, can we just talk about the fact that the Georgie murder is so much more graphic than I expected it to be and it played it so straight and so similar for so long that when he took his arm off that was went, oh my god that was my favorite like in terms of if we're talking about pure scares because mm. I will say that one of my biggest criticisms of the film was that I did not find it scary yeah. enough and I'm a huge fan of the book and the book is really disturbing mm. you know and this kind of this film took it into more of a stranger things kind yeah. of family friendly horror which is fine. Mm. It's just that I wanted more yeah, of, of that darkness that existed yeah. in the book. Um, well, There's great images in the book, which is, I guess, why I find the scene in Halloween where he's just standing on the hedge so effective. There's a great scene in the book where he's just stad- stood opposite the river and he's just there with one balloon, just standing. It's in the, the TV adaptation yeah. as well. And he's just standing there looking and then they look back and then he's, there's a thousand balloons above him. Which And that's why I like the scene in the movie where he's just stood there in front of the house. I find that way more effective. Well, it's more chilling, isn't it? And I, I think that uh, there it was a interesting choice to have the scares be so sort of uh, relentless and CG heavy and uh, when I think personally that that, that they could have been a little simpler Mm. um, a little less expensive um, because yes like I I think one of the biggest uh, creeps for me in the miniseries was when Ben's dad is yeah. standing on the water yeah, and, then and he's you, every in time his you look back, uniform and every time you look back he's got the getting pom-poms. A, the pom-poms and there's just that, that horrible sort of music in the background and you know for me that that, that is more chilling and I, it was in yeah. the clunky goofy miniseries and that was more chilling to me than any scare in the new movie. Yeah I think that's totally fair. Um, and I just I guess I just wanted a little bit more of that threat as I think yeah. as as mm. you were saying before Kruper, this idea that he is just there and he is taunting them instead of just basically, oh I'm gonna chase you and then be another gross monster and then be another gross monster yeah. and I just think, I think one thing it does really well is this idea that Pennywise is just this kind of fragile embodiment of something much more abstract. Like at the end mm. when it I think it's called Beth and when he takes her into the deadlights and just oh, like Bev. The, yeah, Beth yeah. and like the head just kind of opens up and mm. it keeps opening and it's just like he ceases to be the clown, it kind of fractures. Same when at the beginning with Georgie, when he thinks Georgie's gonna leave, he starts panicking and he yeah. gets like really hungry and he's like I think it does that well. Whereas in the original I feel like it's just Tim Curry 
is such a big presence. It's just, it is just right. a monster clown. Got 12 seconds. Anything else? Uh, 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 didn't like Bev being taken into the sewers. She originally went into the sewers on her... Uh, she originally went to Nybolt Ni- Street on her own volition. And we're out. And we're out. <laughs> oh, lovely. Oh, there you go. What a lot of lovely spoilers. Yeah. Um, if you... Go see it this weekend. Um, you can go back and listen to that. You probably won't, but, you know, up to you. Well, I think um, Lucy and I have made our thoughts clear. I don't fully know what you thought of it. I had a brilliant, brilliant time. I have, I think I've watched the original TV miniseries probably more than 20 times growing up. Jesus mm. Christ. So it's like such a huge presence in my head. And then I went and read the novel when I was a teenager. Mm. But I like, I still loved it. Did it live like, up to what you wanted? I think my expectations were so high for yeah. it, mm, but I, re- I, I really liked his Pennywise. I just could have, like I said, like I was like more of it because I like, I, I feel because in the in the in the TV, oh, I'm spoiling it. <laughs> we were doing spoilers again. I really liked it. I, I I think my expectations were unrealistically high, but I still think it was very good, and I can't wait for part two. It does feel yeah. like it would have made a good TV series. Like yeah. mm. one, I know well, they couldn't have spent as much and that yeah. kind of stuff, but there is something too like. The, the original miniseries was long. Yeah. And having, like, a really prop, you know, like, eight well, to 12 like, episodes of Yeah, because you could anchor an episode in a ca- each character. Yeah, you could um, really dig. And that way you would have got far more character development across all the kids, because yeah. some of them were really pushed aside. Uh, uh, particularly um, Mike. Mike. Yeah. Like, there's oh, just yeah. nothing. Well, he has yeah. way more in the original script. Yeah. Um, just, this is not a spoiler for the movie, so I'm going to say it now, just because a lot of people won't read this original script. There's an amazing, amazing scene in the original Carrie Fuganaga script, mm. which is unbelievably good, where it just starts, and what you're in, you're in like a kind of 1800s like mining town, like um, logging town, which is Derry before it settled around like 1790. And this is guy, he's just got off work from logging, and he goes into this little tavern, and he goes up to the bar, bartender pours him some whiskey he starts doing shots there's people playing cards in the background there's someone in the um, the background playing the piano and then just out of nowhere he picks up his hatchet and he just starts killing people in the bar but no one reacts Mm. like so he's just like smashing people's heads in with this hatchet they're bleeding out bartender continues to pour him drinks he goes around just murders everyone and as you're watching the scene unfold you realise in the background the person playing the piano is Pennywise oh that's chilling and 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 it's just like that's an amazing scene yeah like I find that really like unsettling yeah I would really want to see Carrie Fukunaga make something like a that. proper horror yeah. because I rewatched True Detective recently and enjoyed it way more the second time than I did the first. I don't, I'm not sure why I didn't like it as much the first time, but just watching some of those moments where it's he a gets real really to dark, it. mm. it's a real sinisterness to the that. first first time um, you see. I can't even remember the the evil main evil guy, yeah. the Yellow King. Do it. There's this whole scene that I'd completely forgotten about where he keeps switching accents and all of his accents are perfect, and there's this sense of He's not. It feels Pennywisey. It feels yeah. like this isn't a man. He's not. A, he's a. Yeah. He's a like, creature yeah. pretending he's, to yeah. be a man. He's yeah. just impersonating being a, all these different humans, and it's like, fuck, totally. that's so horrible. Yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. Um, so continuing on the line of horror, mm. this sounds horrific, Lucy. Why have you done this to yourself? So I've actually done this for a piece that's going to be going up later on in October. Mm. Uh, to celebrate the upcoming Jigsaw movie. Uh, basically, it's one of our uh, sort of s- dismantling the Saw series 
Uh, so you putting watched every single chrono- one. Yeah, putting putting together the timeline of right, this right. whole series, which is actually really complicated. Like what? It's you don't think it. You don't think so. Yeah. But. It's really complicated. Like, I didn't actually, like, because I was writing the script for this, I didn't actually get to saw the events of Saw 1 until 500 words. I'd, I'd already written 500 oh words God. before I got to the events of Saw 1. Okay. Because all the movies go back in time, time yeah. and then they oh, have stuff with parallel like Jigsaw's, like, timelines. Wife and baby and all yep, that sort of stuff. stuff that happened, the flashbacks, and then there are acquaintances of acquaintances. And it, it is just so complicated and, like... Basically, it starts off fairly coherent. The first three are... So I watched all of them back to back. first three are pretty coherent, like varying in quality. The first one is still the best, Mm. but varying in quality. Um, Then it just goes off the rails. I am talking like insanely off the rails. So you know how in Alien Covenant, sort of Ridley Scott wanted to go back and explain why the Xenomorphs were created? As if that was a question that people wanted answering. Yeah. So the makers of the Saw movies have decided that they, that people are interested enough in every single tiny detail of the first Saw movie and the second Saw movie that every single thing needs to be explained in the subsequent, like, five films, as if we care that much. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? So, like, every, like, there's, like, every little detail is kind of like, oh, that key that you saw in Saw 2. What fucking key? Oh, we revealed what that key was for in Saw 5. Do you know what I mean? Like, and it's just, like, as if we've all been holding our breath, waiting to find out. Yes, as if they wanted, like, a Star Wars extended universe for Saw. It's true. It's a spin-off movie. That's very um, so the new one is it after the events of all the other ones? Is that it's the set, idea? It's yeah, ten years after Jigsaw's and death. He's like, is he supposed to be alive, or is this well, like we he's got he's had stuff in motion for ten years? Like. We don't know, like whether he's had stuff in motion for, t- for ten years, and you know he's he was got all good these at planning shit. Acquaintances. Was, yeah. Oh, he was amazing at planning. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we don't know. But what he's is got a interesting? <laughs> got a really stuffed Trello board. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. oh his Trello. Oh. His Trello would be insane. So many things for Billy to do. Um, but yeah, the idea behind Jigsaw is actually quite interesting because uh, they sort of wanted to cut, they wanted to end it because the last couple of entries didn't do very well at the box office. But apparently these two, bro- I think they're brothers, um, had such a good idea for a new entry into the series that they sort of went, okay, we'll give we'll give it a shot because this idea is so strong. And, like, we don't actually learn a lot from the trailer. Like, the trailer is just basically like, oh, there are all these murders happening mm. and they seem to be kind of in step with Jigsaw's MO. And that's kind of it. Mm. And it's just about the cops investigating that, which is, like, the basis for every Saw movie ever. Yeah. But, like, I'm really interested to see what the twist is this time around because if it was interesting and original enough to have them say have these execs say all right let's let's keep this franchise going and start a new jigsaw cinematic universe <laughs> I, you know i'm intri- i'm intrigued because i really do feel bludgeoned over the head by the end by saw seven that will happen if you watch i was I, I felt like the, the i irony, felt like i was in one of his machines doing this watching every single jigsaw movie saw movie is something that i feel like jigsaw himself would punish totally like that's a waste of your life totally it's like stab your eyes out or watch all of these and, <laughs> this is your and lose call, part of your soul 
So anyway, I just I just wanted to to sort of make a note that I that I'd watched all those movies back to back, and that if you do have the inclination to do so, please space it out because doing it all in one go is not pleasant. Oh, it's not a pleasant what was experience. That? Was that like twelve hours? Something like that. Yeah. Is that? I mean, by the end, I was healthy? sort of like I was like it was like a clockwork orange. You know, it was like holding my eyes open. You've talked about it from the sense of like putting together a chronology. Like, mm. how does that series just hold up in terms of? quality of watching films in in, in that way like is it actually enjoyable well, I, in I mean, any way some of them are pretty enjoyable like as she saw six is, is pretty good oh really <laughs> yeah surprisingly quite good it's got a bit of a message on universal health care oh. uh, which is you know <laughs> oh. intri- which is interesting a little deep for the saw franchise get it to congress yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> i think it got like 28 percent on rotten tomatoes as, <sighs> nice. as opposed to the usual like six Fair play. um but you know the the, the 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 sort of the traps are still pretty fun. Mm. But by the end, if, again, if you're watching them like I was watching them, they sort of lost all impact. Yeah. <laughs> like I was just like, oh, just I don't care. This is shocking, and people are screaming, and there's blood everywhere, and intestines on the floor. But I'm just like, eh. what's the reason? <laughs> like, what's where's the Billy doll come from? Has that got a reason? Yeah. So the reason behind that uh, is oh, spoilers. Yeah, let's start a timer, guys. The reason behind that is uh, that. His unborn child was killed, um, was miscarried. Yeah, I remember that. Like, someone, like, someone like pushed a door pushed into his pregnant a, wife. A door into his pregnant wife, and he had built this little doll for his kid, for his kid called Gideon. And then he sort of decided that you know that would be the mascot of his crimes. But so he built love, these bigger. His kid would have been fucked up. I love this. Yeah, totally. It's like oh, he's actually you know he's trying to like do these things so people are like reaffirming their life and like mm. getting their shit together. He already, he was already gone. Like, oh, so he was like, already making that for his kid. Going, that? Come on, mate. Uh, he was totally deranged. That's a bit much, John. <laughs> um, lovely. Um, so, um, um, Kingsman is also out this week, mm. and now I have seen Kingsman, and it has got very mixed reviews. Mm. Um, so, Rory and I saw it together after about five pints. Classic. And good good a, amount of pints. As the IGN UK standard. Way of seeing a movie. Yeah. Uh, and that's how we saw Das Boot together, and that's how we saw Kingsman together. Shower. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, and I think that's like. I don't think it's a bad movie at all, but it's a very silly movie. Mm. And I think. I don't know. I've heard people who enjoyed the first one not even liking this one. I think what I didn't like about this one is. This is non-spoilers. I thought the first one did a brilliant job of you following Eggsy along his journey from like a council estate kid to this like one like almost gentleman spy. Mm. And in this movie, it's not really centered on him as a character or his like personal life. It is just a pretense for like literally blowing up everything of the first movie and just doing crazy, crazy action set to music with mm. this kind of hyper frantic style, which is really, really fun because. Matthew Vaughan's just, like, had this incredible, like, bunch of sequences where, you know, it's it's people grabbing machine guns out of mid-air, and it looks all looks like one continuous shot. Mm. People, th- like, hitting a baseball and the baseball exploding and all this kind of crazy action. Does he do that really off-putting thing with action scenes where he goes slightly too fast just to slow it down for a second yeah, and then go back it, too far? It, I hate it, that shit. It happens <laughs> a lot, and by the final sequence, which... It's that thing where the first film... The amazing sequence in the church yeah. where Colin Firth just kills like 25 people. It tries to top that in the final act and it doesn't succeed because it's just, it can't be as impactful as that. Well, it's also the first film, that scene is 
the really the first time you've seen Harry in full flow. Yeah, like, what, you've yeah. got the tension of knowing that this man's a genius. You've got yeah, you've got fighter. like a little hint in the bar scene, but nothing comparable exactly. to that. I want to be a genius fighter. I want to be yeah. a genius fighter. He just gets it. It's like that really shit bit in Sherlock Holmes where he's. He's the thinking Robert too great. Yeah, he's like, I'll do like, this, that, and oh, that. Left hook. <laughs> In- incapacitate. Yeah. That's so annoying. Yeah. <sighs> um, but yeah, it does that in the end. And me and Rory speaking about it afterwards. It's because they try and... So it looks like one continuous sequence. But obviously, every time it speeds up and slows down, they're like matching shots. Right. Or right, there's yeah. like little interstitial CGI shots to link different takes. And probably didn't have the highest budget in the world. It's probably a decent budget, but you can still kind of see the well more. It doesn't, uh, doesn't impact your enjoyment that much, but it's that kind of staccato action. But it looks impressive and mm. it is fun. Like there's not off. You don't often see those things happen in a big budget action movie. Okay. Like it's got a sense of humor to its action sequences. Um, the first film was controversial for a scene very at the very end of the movie, the anal sex joke. I don't even remember. It's been so long. It's crap. Yeah, it's crap. And there's a scene in this movie that I think will be similarly controversial. Um, it's just a bit like, I just don't think it needs it. I mean, it's, even me and Rory, like, five pints in, groaned at it. Especially, like, in a second film, when so much was made of the first film's joke. It just feels like they're doing it on per Like, they're just, like, annoying people on purpose. Yeah. Like, oh, I don't like that. Yeah, that, that's, I just, think it's that's quite just controversial. boring. Yeah, it's just like... Ugh. That's it. Like, if you're going to offend people, do it because you've got a good reason to, not because it's not you were annoyed it's the not, first time people bit, were offended. It's a bit gross, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but Pedro Pascal plays a statesman, which is the US equivalent of the Kingsman. He plays an agent called Whiskey. He's unbelievably good in this movie. <laughs> really? He's so charming. And I've not seen him do comedy before. He's really, really funny. You you can, well, you could pick that. Yeah, from, he's very from charismatic. Yeah, he's very, you just knew it would just, just take a little... Uh, Effortlessly charming. Sidestep yeah. into comedy. Yeah. And he's he's got that like sure. Antonio Banderas thing of you yeah. just like every time he smiles, you're like <laughs> yeah. you're smiling at me. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was Keep I was going. melting. Yeah. I was melting oh, yeah. like a Malteser oh, bar. Um but yeah, yeah, like I had a great time. I'd go see it with a bunch of mates, have a couple of beers beforehand, take a beer in even. Ooh. Have an even better time for an licensed cinema. Um Right, final thing we're going to talk about this week is a show that went live on Netflix, which I actually watched while you were all doing the podcast mm-hmm. last week, uh, um, American Vandal. American you, you've seen Vandal. this, American Vandal? I have not seen American Vandal, but I have seen people on my Twitter feed talking about it as if it, it's been some kind of really pleasant surprise. Yeah, yeah, so the trailer, you showed me the trailer. Yeah, you were like, outlining the basic premise for people. Okay, so it's a show that presents itself as a perfectly... Um, uh, like realistic making a murderer style documentary mm. with all the sort of um, twists and so like the tropes of that new true crime series that kind of style Serial that's emerging. Well. So very um, presenter led, like the presenters on screen discussing things. Very like This American Life, yeah, that kind of mm. feeling that they're uh, part of your conversation, like you're talking to them and you're having the same thoughts as they are. Except it's about uh, a school, high school car park where 27 cars had dicks drawn on them. And the entire thing is this kid's been expelled for graffitiing dicks all over the teacher's cars. And this kid, Peter Maldonado, who's like, he's the archetypal, um, the kid who's not that popular and finds a way to make himself popular by mm. doing something cool and, and different. Yeah, because he's like part of the AV club or yeah. like... Um... 
it's a high school TV channel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's using all that equipment to make this project, which is this kind of expose or yeah. investigation. Piece. And like, he doesn't believe that uh, oh, Dylan, Dylan could possibly have done this. And here's like the key piece of evidence. And this is in the first, the first, uh, first episode. Is well, he's yeah. been drawing dicks for years and he constantly Snapchats himself drawing dicks. Um, but he always draws hairs on the balls and there's no hairs on the balls on the graffiti. So this becomes like the, the key. Smo- this is a smoking gun. The, yeah, that's yeah. the smoking gun. Um, and it, it's it's really weird because for the first three episodes, I was going, this isn't that funny. I'm not like, there's. it's a good central joke. But for an eighth episode series, I was like, there's not many jokes. And then suddenly you realize, oh, it's not that much of a comedy. Like, it's a stupid premise, but it's just a really well-constructed mystery story. Yeah. Because it starts doing really smart stuff with the documentary goes viral halfway through. And so all the episodes after that are done in the context of everyone knows he's making this documentary. And the school doesn't like how it's being presented, but the the students love it. So demonstrations start happening and people start like waving at the camera and stuff. There's, there's people on YouTube making fan theories about this case that's not yet solved. So there's this whole so it, it episode about him responding to the fan theories online, which is yeah, really smart. I think smart. what he does brilliant like, is like you basically taking all that stuff and turning it into additional material for future episodes. Yep. Same with like social media. Like, there's this absolute magnificent scene where... They have to like basically locate a can of um, spray paint at a party. So he starts constructing a timeline from people's social media. It's it's so that which is like forensic detail. So he's looking at Instagram posts and Snapchats and putting together this timeline it's in a very forensic way. It's a whole episode centered around this one big party, and him and his co-documentarian were like the only people not invited. So there's this <laughs> tinge of like sort of looking in like at it. anger at it as well which is really nice like it captures a lot of that high school angst and they keep going like there's one bit where they spot this other unpopular kid and he's at the party and they're like what well, he was there <laughs> um and it's like genuinely incredible the, the the forensic way they break down this thing that they've obviously made up for the show but is so it feels so real. Um, it's it's amazing. Like, it's a really smartly put together thing. Do you know what I love about this premise? Mm. Is that I do, you know, I'm 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 into true crime and all that sort yeah. of thing. Like, you know, go as dark as you want, I'm there. But I do acknowledge that there is something quite sort of intrusive and perverted about finding glee in these terrible stories mm. and, 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 you know, being such a voyeur mm. in, in, these, in, in these often just tragic stories mm, and unsolved things and right? unsolved, yeah. yeah and you know people's lives ruined and and we're all sitting there in front of our tvs like mm. you know with our beers and and chips and just like ugh. yeah there's <laughs> yeah, something yeah. really yeah. kind of gross about it yeah. but i love this because it, it sounds like it's it's it still feels like there's stakes but it's not those kind of terrible human tragedy stakes yeah. i think it really understands why you find these sort of stories so engrossing, even though because it it, it it gets you hooked, even though the central like it's just drawing dicks. Yeah, it's something about the intrigue and the suspicion, mm. and also just all the social media around it as well. Like it, it really it, smartly, it, it's not. It doesn't even feel like a satire of social media. It just feels like it gets how that's used now. Yeah. Like how, like God, people like, definitely younger than me. If you're at high <laughs> like, school now. What it must be terrible if that's what it's actually like, and maybe it is adults making it up. But if yeah. that's what it's like, it's fucking terrifying. <laughs> I would hate it. Um, it just does, and it, it also really smartly deals with the intrusion of making something like this as well. Like mm. there are real repercussions, like particularly towards the end. It's not afraid to get quite dramatic about how it shows you things, 
and like they they are making a second season as well and it leaves enough open that you're like shit i actually really want to see yeah. how this fake case progresses uh, it's really <laughs> it's smart amazing like uh, super surprising especially after two episodes going i'm not that into this yeah i didn't know how it was going to sustain for eight episodes but around the midway you're like oh i get it now yeah so that's american vandal and that's out on netflix right now and it is very good says joe <laughs> Uh, right, first bit of feedback is from me, and this is from a guy called Adam. Sorry I couldn't make it to Podcast 450, but you're not paying attention, mate. It's Podcast <laughs> 400. Um, but Simon mentioned he had a list of his top 100 music albums. So Simon is our new guy, Lucy, and he right. has a list of his top 100 films of all time, which he calls the CyamDB. CyamDB. Oh, my Cy God. Yeah. He is a genius. Uh, <laughs> it's got a custom graphic and everything. It's, wow. Uh, Simon crazy. mentioned he had a list of his top 100 music albums, but he didn't have a cool name. Well, I have a suggestion. How about, now that's what I call a Cardi, instead of party. Is that a thing? Now that's, I thought it was just, I now that's, that's what, I what I call music. music. Is there a party one? Have you... Adam, write back and Epis- answer that question for <laughs> us. Firstly, episode 450, then gets the now CD names wrong. Come on, Adam, pull, pull your finger out. Uh, he also says, P.S. I was totally ready to hate the new theme music because I love the old one and hate change. But I've got to be honest. It totally won me over. Oh, it's because so it's, it's a banger. That's why. It's because that opening drum beat fucking hooks. But I've been like that with music on podcasts where it's changed. And it's like initially like, oh, I, I'm not used to this. And then like in three weeks, I couldn't even hum you the original. Football Ramble. Yeah, I can't the remember. The new one's what, an absolute I can't remember monster. what the original is. I love that song. Um, Got yeah. cowbell in it. All right. So this is from Arthur White. Hey gang, love the show and I need your advice. Actually, I should tell you the title of this email. Mm -hmm. So about this Overwatch game you never shut up about. (laughs) Yep, there is that. I can uh, agree with you there. Uh, For the first time in about four years, I'll have a PC. Uh, While I have a PS4, I refuse to play FPSs with anything other than a mouse and keyboard, so I've therefore missed out on a lot. The question is this, since I want to start playing an FPS again, should I jump on board the Overwatch train or wait for Battlefield, uh, Battlefront 2, which I certainly want to play, but is a couple of months away? Is it too late to get into Overwatch? Cheers from Down Under! All right! Uh, Here we go! All right, Arthur! Uh, Cheers from, from Down Under, Arthur. Um, Arthur, it's well. It's more than just an FPS. It's a way of life. It's a state of mind. Oh God! It is. The cult is strong. It will consume you. I say that I haven't played it for three no, weeks. We played Destiny. So. I know, but three weeks. Is, yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, I haven't played it for three weeks. You know, I, I'm well off. Is that, that, like, that what you're shaking, yeah, yeah. <laughs> crying? I haven't had a drink in a day. Um, what do you think? I feel like Overwatch. Yeah. Play it. Yeah, I certainly don't think it's too <laughs> late. I don't response. think it's too late. I think it's extremely accessible. And it's, it's, I think, you know, just because the character roster is, is a bit larger and there are more maps now, uh, it's still as accessible as yeah, it ever actually, was from day one. Like, really, really good like um, example is recently Cardi just joined the team and he never played Overwatch before and he started six weeks ago. Mm. He's now hooked on it. He's absolutely cleaning up He as absolutely well. loves it. He's great. And, you know, he's still only playing one or two characters at the minute because he's still, like, finding his way. Because when he started playing, I realised there's so much to, like, communicate about like every map and every yeah. little bit and character but he's just finding his way playing one character well that's it you just play yeah. I, this is, I think we've said this on the podcast before you just start a soldier learn how the game types work and then you start seeing how the other characters work see which ones you hate playing against most and start learning them yeah because mm. that way you're learning what they can do to you and as yeah. such you how can to tackle do them back but yeah or get both I mean get definitely both. get both get, definitely get both 
That's Space Combat and Overwatch. That'd be all right. That's the third way. That's the way to do it. This one's from Greg Rogers, our final piece of feedback, I believe. Am I right? Yes. Good. <laughs> I want to go. Uh, so, I recently moved from my family farm in North Wales. What's that? Uh, just Gav, Wales, just uh... waiting for Gav to say something. He's just not here. To live and work in London, where I know next to no one. In the lead up to the move, me and my brother used to joke about how I might run into the boys. I believe that's referring to you and the boys. And about uh, out and about in the city and what I'd say if I did. Anyway, last Friday. Uh, oh, God. my Oh, there we go. Sorry, I lost my place. Anyway, last Friday, my second day in London, I was exploring my new local area on my own. When who should I who should cross the road ahead of me? But none other than the one and only Daniel Krupa. <gasps> I tried to decide whether or not to yell out Krupa and catch up to him. Before I came to a decision, he went into a supermarket, and as I didn't want to follow him in like some crazy stalker, <laughs> that was that. I guess my question is, how do you feel? Uh, how do you guys feel about running into listeners? And what should I do if I run into Cooper again? Well, we've got just the man for you. you should, me. You should. You should <laughs> attack him. <laughs> you should attack me. Just give me a hug. Spear him. Just give me a hug. I'll be happy with a hug. Would you really? In- introduce- well, it depends on the person. No, but I mean, if someone just came up to you on the street and started hugging you. No, you'd need a you'd need an intro first. Um, say hello. Come on, hug. Say hello. And then see if I'm amenable to a hug. And That's then it. if so, collect said hug. What if it had been Vom Day and someone had come up and hugged you? They well, don't they, know they would have got Vom on their back. They don't know whether That would have been Day. a little souvenir. Oh god. <laughs> Bit of Krupa sick. I don't know. Um, say hello. Yeah, say, always say hello. Yeah, I think that. We had a lovely man come up to me and Gav on the tube the other day. He'd been at uh, Podcast 400, and he just sat down next to us and was like, I was at Podcast 400, uh, and then started talking to us about how he's an animator on Wes Anderson's new film. We were like, oh, that's amazing. That's fucking wicked. <laughs> what a cool thing I to I bet you were like, when, when he's like, oh, I'm working on a film, you were like, we, are you? We, actually, <laughs> we, we, gen- we, we stated that subtext, because he, he went, oh, a trailer for a film I'm uh, working on is coming out this week. And we were like... What film's that then? And he went, oh, it's Wes Anderson's new film. And I just went, me and Gav were definitely both thinking that we'd have to feign interest for a few minutes there. <laughs> he was like, yeah, that's cool. So, yeah, Good our, our advice well. is be friendly, come up, say hello, and then Maybe possibly get you'll get a hug. I don't know. I can't yeah, promise a that's hug. That's nice validation as well, because sometimes you just feel like you're doing this sort of thing into the void. Absolutely. Mm. So it's nice when we actually, you know, people come up and say hey and, and ni- introduce nice themselves. And, yeah, yeah. It's nice just, just you- to know that... You're, you're counteracting all like bad comments yeah, totally. by giving us one nice one. That is true. That's so very true. We would appreciate it very much. So one final um, thing to do before we leave. Now, currently, if you go to... So there's a charity called Special Effect Lucy that we do a lot of stuff with. Mm. I'm actually an ambassador of this charity now. Are you? Um, so we raise money. So it's a really great charity that adapts video game controllers and consoles so people with physical disabilities can play video games. And they're currently doing an auction at the minute, and you can bid on a tour of the iGen office. Such as it is. Such as it is, and hang out with us for an afternoon. We'll go to the pub. And like, if you're interested in games media or getting into video games, we'll answer any questions you have, and you just hang out with us for half a day. Um, currently, that's up to 520 quid, so if you're, which is unbelievable. If you're rich. <laughs> so if you're rich, if you want to bid on that, um, I think there's about four or five more days on it. You can go to bit.ly forward slash IGN auction. And obviously the money goes to a good cause. It doesn't go to us. It goes to a good cause. Not much of it. Um, so that's it for Podcast 401, which I think will be a certified banger. Yep. Thank you for joining us, Lucy. Thank you for having thank me. You. Thank you, Joe. Thank you. And thank you.
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.